0: Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read from verses 11 through 13. The word of the Lord reads as follows. Not that I speak in regard to need. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you preach and teach today. I pray that you think through my mind and speak through my lips. And uh, Lord, may our our dialogue and conversation today about your word uh, bring forth, uh, Lord God, by your spirit, the revelation we need for the coming days and months, Lord God, both on a personal level and also as a church family and a community. Father, we'll be careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of God. Before I start the message today, uh, praise God. Did you see that video that, that Christian Cultural Center put out last week? Yes. How many people saw it? Raise your hand. About three months ago, um, my, my good friend Dr. Bernard uh, and I, we talked, and, and I... I really appreciated him for all that he and his church did for us many years ago. Uh, they gave us a, a phenomenal offering when we were going through a very difficult time. And, and we had spoken in times past. He wanted to get a little update as to how we're doing, how we're settling in the Bronx. So I called him up and I spoke to him about this. Sir, I think we're doing a lot better and I'd like to thank your people. Um, but we don't have uh, that level of professionalism that your system needs. And he says, no problem. I'll send somebody to your house. So they came over and they set, it, uh, set us up. And uh, uh, we sat down, my wife and I, and, and we gave our thanks. We gave a little brief history, uh, a lot of pictures of you guys now in church praising God. And so they took that, and three months later, which was last Sunday, in their Thanksgiving service, uh, one of our people that used to go to Calvary years ago, fellowships over there, he's sitting down, and, and we're, you know we're constantly in contact and communication. And he, he's, he's there, and they're just about to receive their offering. And suddenly he sees my wife and I on the screen. And You know, there are 5,000 people in that service. There are three services, so they have an average of 15,000 people in their services every Sunday. They have 29,000 in membership. So it's a lot of people, right, <laughs> for a local <laughs> church. But um, here, you know, my wife and I were thanking them, and, and some people, their eyes welled up. And he's looking, he's just that's my pastor, I know that guy. <laughs> and, you know, and it was so sweet to be able to share with that church community how blessed we are and, and, and how we've grown and, and how their offering in that time of need or at, during that time really, really helped us. And uh, uh, today we give them thanks. And, and so we wanted let, to let them know how important uh, giving to others is. So thank you for uh, volunteering to help others during this time. We did the same thing about six. About a year ago, for another church who burned down not so far from here. And we helped them. We gave several offerings to them. And, and once their church was restored, they had me come over and, and they thanked us. And they hear are clapping from my going, It wasn't me, it was the church family. But I understand, I represented you guys. Amen. And it was just a very sweet thing to be able to do for others what was done for us. Amen. And we'll continue in the coming days. Amen? Amen? Praise God. So, today, for a couple of minutes, I want to talk to you about the dual fuel of the faith life the dual fuel of the faith life. I spoke about, or rather I read how Paul knew how to be in need and how to have a lot. He knew what it was to live with little and what it is to abound. He says, in all these things, frankly, it was Christ who strengthened me. I can do all things. He wasn't saying I can do all things. I could could play baseball because Christ strengthens me. In his context is, if, if I'm in need, I can do it. I can go through that because Christ is with me. If I have a lot, hey, Christ is with me, and he'll help me during that time that I won't go crazy. Problem is, sometimes people get a lot, and they forget God. They get into a, a nice luxury, and they forget God. We have a tendency of doing that. Lord, have mercy. But, but Paul said, in all cases, whether I have a, a lot or whether uh, I'm abased, I trust Christ. Rick Warren Years ago, he said this, I used to think that life was hills and valleys. You go through a dark time, then you go to a mountaintop, back and forth. He said, I don't believe that anymore. Then he went on to say, rather than life being hills and valleys, I believe it's kind of two rails on a railroad track. You have something good, and you have something bad in your life. No matter how good things are in your life, there's always something bad that needs to be worked on. No matter how bad things are in your life, there's always something good you can thank God for. You can focus on your purposes or you can focus on your problems. If you focus on your problems, then you're going to become self-centered. My problem, my issues, my pain. But one of the easiest ways to get rid of pain is to get your focus off yourself and unto God and others. Unquote. I thought that was a very good quote and very apropos to what I'm sharing today. Because... And I share this with a lot of my friends. I said, being a pastor is like walking around with a joyful heart and a broken heart all at the same time. Amazing. I can have 20 great reports, but invariably somebody's going to come and tell me that someone's sick, someone's hurting, somebody passed, uh, somebody's angry, somebody's uh, hurt, somebody's wounded, somebody's offended, somebody, whatever it might be, there's always something good. And something bad happening. So I like his philosophy because, like him, I used to think that way. Man, we had a glorious day today. Man, what a horrible day today. But no, it's all at the same time. It's almost like a plane with two wings. You have to have two wings. Say, the Navy, it must have two wings to fly. So you have to have the good times, but by its very nature, life will throw at you challenges. Life will throw problems your way because we're not perfected yet. And then we're dealing with other people. Somebody said, how do you spell people? How do you spell harvest? And, and they, they spell it P-R-O-B-L-E-M-S, problems. The more people, the more problems. The more people, the more challenges. The more people, the more aggravation. The perfect church is the church where there's no members. Cyber church, you know. <laughs> no, the truth of the matter is, is that the more people there are, the more ministry gets done. But then the is said this. He said, wherever you see the ox, a lot of work gets done. Wherever you see the trough clean, there's no work. What's the trough? That's where the ox eat. Now you, or rather, if you've ever been to a farm, you've ever been to a horse stable, an ox stable. Wherever you see animals, what do you see? During feed time, all the animals gather and all the animals eat. And while they're eating, mm-hmm. yeah. they're yeah. also doing other things. Yeah. So here, here is the deal. If the trough is clean, meaning there's no animals, it's clean. It smells good because you cleaned it up, you hosed it down, got rid of all the mess, all the waste, right? It's clean. It looks good. You feel proud. Come over here. Look at my trough. It's nice and clean. But a true farmer understands that for his field to be fruitful, the trough has got to be dirty. It's got to be mess in the trough. I'm not getting many amens. You guys are city people. I mean, I got you dead to rights. You're city folk. You don't know what I'm talking You're going, well, it's a trough. <laughs> <laughs> what is a trough? You know where they go to eat and they drink the water and they feed? Uh, that's a trough and it, w- where there's water there and there's food. So they the stick container. their head in like, con- like a long container, of, uh, and that's where they eat. So while the horses are eating and everything, they're also pooping. So we need horses, we need ox. Now they're laughing. Oh, that's what he meant. Yes, 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 that's what I meant. In other words, to have an effective farm where there's a lot of work going on, you got to have some mess. In order to have a successful church, there's also going to be mess. Oh, come on. Have you ever gone to Fifth Avenue or 59th Street and you see those horses and yep. oh, yeah. <laughs> From far... It looks beautiful. Oh, what a beautiful picture in the panorama. And the snow, and, uh, on the hills of Central Park, uh, on the trees, and uh, the beautiful lights. The closer you get, the more messy it seems to get. And suddenly, the, the odor starts changing. You say, well, how beautiful. and, uh, and uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after a while, you start realizing, hold on a second, there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. There's some other things happening behind the scenes that people are not talking about. But one goes with the other. Say to your neighbor, one goes with the other. <laughs> you want to have some success, you're going to have some, <clears throat> some, some other issues going on. And, and this is our problem. We're, we're afraid of dealing with the issues. Hence, we never want to have success because innately we know with every success we need to have the mess. We need to deal with the mess in order to get success. Praise God. I think that sounded right, right? Sounded good. Yeah. Praise God. Get a scribe to it. That's my quote, okay? Don't, don't. <laughs> Praise God. What we preach is we say it this way. When we hear a quote, we like it. We say, the first time we say, yeah, brother, so-and-so said this, quote. Then the second time we say this, I've heard it said, quote. Then that's what I always say. And, you know, from, from that moment on. So, what I love about Almighty God is, like Paul said, He strengthens me. Say any neighbor, God strengthens me. The Holy Spirit strengthens me. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 on. I'm reading from the New King James, and I think I'll read it from the New Life. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In the New Living Translation, it says it this way, a final word, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. See, it is possible to be strong in Him. We could be strong naturally, we could lift weights, and we could uh, do calisthenics, run a marathon, have great endurance, but that strength is limited. But when we're strong in his mighty power, now you're dealing with a supernatural element that's beyond your natural ability. It says, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. Notice it says strategies and tricks. The devil has strategies and tricks. The other day, I think in the men's ministry, that was discussed. Methodia, strategy. He has strategies. And he wants to trick you into thinking things are worse than they are. Yeah. But that's all it is. It's a smoke screen. It's a strategy that he has. And many times we fall, I mean, on our faces in that. We continue to believe the nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. But the more we learn about God and his ways, then we'll learn more and more about the counterfeit. I and I don't want the counterfeit in my life. I want the real I want a real relationship with Almighty God. I want His power to flow through me. I want to say, like Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to flow in His strength. I'm not interested in what I could do in the natural. That does not impress God, and frankly, it doesn't impress the devil. No matter how big and bad you think you are, there's some nutcase that's crazier and bigger and better than you are. Amen. I grieve just a couple of days ago when I heard that Macho Camacho was shot. Years ago in Harlem, when we used to be in Harlem, I met him Mm -hmm. and I spoke to him and I told him, Macho, you know Jesus loves you. And and I I spoke to him about the word of God and he refused to look at me Mm -hmm. and he just said, keep on walking, keep Mm -hmm. on walking. Mm -hmm. And I kept on trying, but he was very, you know, disinterested, cocky, And hardened. Yes, he was. Very hard. And he did this throughout his life. And to hear this, that one of Puerto Puerto Rico's sons who had really accomplished something wonderful, unfortunately because of his lack of discipline in other areas of his life, just allowed the devil to just destroy his legacy. And ultimately, somebody, some nutcase we don't know we probably will never know probably they won't ever find out who was the killer but my point is is i know that god was after this man for years and the way he sent me he sent many others but he thought he was so big and bad he didn't need god he didn't need anybody we all need almighty god because as big as bad as we think we are we're limited we're limited i'd rather be powerful in his way so i mean i pray that he was able to make his peace I pray, I don't know, I can't judge. But I would have prayed, man, that, that he could have done like other great men and women of God, that they were famous in the world, but they gave it to God. And they, they just left a great legacy uh, for the children and their children's children. and uh, You know, so let's not us, let, let not us make the same mistake. Let's give it to God. All oh, that we have, but on nothing. Oh, you in God's hands, you are amazing. Amen. You're absolutely essential. God's power is amazing and we need to let that flow in the coming days. God's power reveals itself in so many different ways. It reveals itself in wisdom. It reveals itself in authority. God's power, it's not just miraculous power like in Acts chapter 2 power shall come upon you but God's power is also an authority that you can walk with nice and quiet you don't need to scream you don't need to yell Amen. there's an authority upon you that anybody who has any sensitivity in the spirit realm will immediately know that you have power Amen. that you have off, you are you're authorized by heaven's court hallelujah, hallelujah. Sadie never you have power glory to God that's how come when you cast out a devil he's got to go Not because you're big and bad, but because of God's mighty power flowing through you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And the reason, or rather the the way we qualify to allow that power to operate is in the simple things. When we obey God in the simple things. Uh, Remember the talents? He gave one guy the talent and the guy was faithful and then he said, you're faithful? Now I'm going to give you more. God will test you with something small. And if you're faithful with the small, then say, nice, now I'm taking you to the next level. We want the big stuff. No, I know God has called me the big things. Maybe he has. But are you aware that if you're born in, in a castle and you're born to a king, they don't automatically raise you to that level? They first pass you through many years of arduous discipline and training. In many ways, an upcoming prince is like a slave for many years until finally he or she is manifest to the world after they're properly cultured and trained and and, and processed and prepared. Same thing. God will take you through a process. Worst thing is to give power to somebody who has no discipline. Good example, Mike Tyson. That boy was a champion, I think by age 19. I think the youngest champion in heavyweight history. The man was just a natural boxer, amazing specimen. I mean, he was smaller than most heavyweights, but they feared him, how strong and powerful he was, and make it, he made it, but yet his personal life was a mess. He had no discipline. He respected no one. This man made more money than most people would ever make in their lifetimes. He made more money than most corporations will ever make. And you know, he blew right through it. Because he had no discipline. You don't give great power to somebody that's not ready to receive it. And more than anybody, God understands that. So God will test you in the little things. You know the places where he puts you and you complain? That's just him putting you in a place so you can start exercising your authority at that level. And you miss it, and you start complaining. And you miss it, and you get angry. And you miss it, and you walk away. You don't, don't do that. That's the place where God is saying, okay, my son, okay, my daughter, let me see where you're at. Let me see what you're going to do with what I've given you thus far. Yeah. And the thing is, we fail to realize how important the anointing of God upon us is. But the greater thing is, we fail to realize the importance of character in carrying the anointing. So since we're not trained and we refuse to allow ourselves to submit ourselves to the yoke of the Holy Ghost, see, God will yoke you, and then you walk with the the bigger ox. We don't want that. We want to go wherever we want to go. I want to go this way. But when you yoke yourself, you try to go this way, the bigger ox goes not this way. Oh, okay, 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 okay. But Jesus says, my burden is easy, my yoke is light, right? Or My yoke is easy, my burden is light praise God. But the thing is, we have to allow ourselves to be yoked. And God is saying to some of you today, I've been trying to yoke you, you refuse to be yoked. I want to lead you, I want to guide you, I want to take you higher, but I need to process you here because the ministry I'm going to give to you is going to demand a lot of discipline. It's going to demand a lot of dying to self. Uh, and, And our problem is we've been so used to seeing glamorous ministries that we think that's true ministry. That's not true ministry. That's Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, it's Hollywood. That's Hollywood. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I look at that and then I see the life of Jesus. I see the life of Paul. I see the life of Peter. I see the life of the great men and women of God throughout the generations. You know w- what it is? You, you, have to, you have to get manicures every day before you get out there. Oh, if it breaks, that's it. I'm canceling a service. You know what that is? If you don't have a, a $2,000 suit, you can't go out there and preach? I'm not going to to that church unless you give me a, a $40,000, dollars $60,000 Cadillac. You yeah, know, there's some preachers that have some very serious demands in order to hire them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, I don't want to get into some of the stuff that some preachers are demanding because it's out and out offensive and it's not God. It's all about flesh. What's that? Well, the thing is, is that charisma takes people far. But here's the challenge. If you're very charismatic, and I don't mean charismatic like, you know, speaking in tongues. If you have a lot of charisma about yourself, and by your notoriety, you could bring in a lot of money, you could bring in a lot of people, here's the problem. Whatever you birth and build, you have to keep. Whatever God births and God builds, God will keep. Whatever man builds, it becomes man-centered. <clears throat> Whatever God builds becomes kingdom-centered. So there are no superstars there. Everybody's important. The body is an action. Whatever man builds, by the flesh and by ego and by charisma, man has to keep propping up. And after that while, they realize, oh man, I got to maintain this thing. And you, I'm telling you, I've seen people do funny things to keep their ministry. And to raise up the necessary money, uh, one guy in Florida, who actually, uh, and I don't, I don't understand how the people accept this, but the bottom line is, is he turns water into wine. What? What? Huh? But the problem is that it's not wine; it's a chemical that he puts in the cup, where he has regular water, and then at the right time they give him, they give him that. They, it's never there; he never drinks it. It's interesting, huh? <laughs> or never gives it to anybody else to try it. Then when he puts the water, suddenly it turns around. And they're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. See, I would go, oh, my God, if you drink it after that. Then I would say, wow. Or give it to me. Let me test it. Let me take it to the laboratory and test it. I could guarantee you it's not going to be Asti Spumanti. I could guarantee you. I could guarantee you it's not going to be a California Pinot Noir. Huh? (laughs) It's not going to be a Moscato. Definitely not. I, you know, I'm just saying. I'm just throwing them out. I'm, I'm just throwing them out. So what I love about the kingdom of God is when we seek God, the Bible says we're righteous. And the word righteous doesn't mean somebody's spooky. It's just a person that's doing the right things at the right time. The word righteous is being right, doing the right things. Even though sometimes it'll get you in trouble, you still do the right thing. And the Bible says the righteous... Whatever the righteous man does, will prosper. You see that in Psalms one three. The Lord delivers the righteous out of all his problems. Psalms thirty four nineteen. The righteous will never be forsaken. Psalms thirty seven twenty five. The righteous will inherit the land. Psalms thirty seven twenty nine. The righteous will be rescued from trouble, Proverbs eleven eight. 8. When the righteous prop- prosper, the city rejoices, Proverbs eleven ten. 10. The plans of the righteous are just, Proverbs 11, or rather 12, 5. Praise God. So I want to be righteous. But the reason why God works together with the righteous is these are the people that are obeying His very word. In every area of life, He's released power to you. Say it to your neighbor, you have power. In Ephesians 1, 19, it says, What is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? You have exceeding greatness of power in you. It's miraculous power. It's legal power or legal authority. And there's another definition that the scripture gives it, which is it's a strength that comes upon you that's beyond your natural strength. You know, in Scripture, you could see how God would strengthen men from time to time. God strengthened the Father by by the angels and by His Spirit, strengthened Jesus, because after 40 days, He was weak. The Bible says He was strengthened. How about, um, there was a guy in the Bible that carried a one-ton door on his hands for a mile. Who's that? Samson. The Bible says that the Spirit of God would come upon him and suddenly he would do feats of strength that were literally impossible in the natural. One time he had a fight with a thousand Philistines and he killed them all. How in the world do you kill a thousand Philistines or any other? Wow. And they were all trying to come at him. It's almost like they were coming, okay, dun, 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 kill me. Dun, kill me. I mean, just, and, okay. Next, I mean, how do you do that? How do you amazing to me, <laughs> but the same power that will give you the interpretation for the tongues is the same power that will give you the strength that you need in oh, your work time for your family to be able to endure a test or a situation, to be able to continue to pray for your family member that's been impossible for the last five or ten years. You know I mean? Amen? The, the, the power of God manifests itself in many ways, and in the Old Testament it says He'll give you power to acquire wealth. The word power there, it has a connotation of a type of power that switches to be whatever you need it to be. It's a chameleon-like power. Anybody ever seen a chameleon? How you could put him in by a green leaf, and let's say he's brown, he'll turn green. And then you take him from the green leaf, and you put him on the red, uh, brown bark, and he'll turn brown. Well, guess what? The power of God has that very ability. By the way, it was a power of God that gave the chameleon his strength. So the parent anointing for that switcheroo thing comes from Almighty God, not from the chameleon. So in the same way that the power of God could help you in a in a, let's say a, a board meeting, or in an interview, it's the same power then that you lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Because the power of God is multifaceted in its design. Hallelujah. Acts 1, 7, and 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That's the same power now that will give you the right words at the right time. Amen. Amen. So before I get get up here on a Sunday to speak to you, I ask the Holy Spirit to give me the power to speak the right words. And I come up here confident that the power of god will translate into my ability to be able to speak to you the very things that god wants you to hear on this day but in the same way before going before board meeting i will go before board meeting with confidence because before that i prayed to that same holy spirit as holy spirit give me power to be able to speak in an articulate manner to this group of people that i am serving as their manager right so I'll go in there and I'll go with authority because I know the Spirit of God is with me at that moment. Whenever there's a problem or a challenge, I will first pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give me the ability to be able to, you know, go as a standby or, or um, a help or a paraclete, as it were, and, and help these two people. Amen. Do you need that power? Anybody? Three people, four people need that power? The rest of you know what that... No, we all need that power. Amen. So we need to ask God every single day, give me this power, uh, especially as it relates to today. It's a contextual power. It's a a contextual miracle power that we are receiving in this day. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, because it is He who gives you power to get wealth. So even in the area of finance or work or industry, Or if you're an entrepreneur, I believe that God is, how can I say, His Spirit could give you the uniqueness you need to be able to serve your community as an entrepreneur. You know, as an entrepreneur, you're not just looking to make money. You're looking for niches, or some people call it niches. I call it a niche. You call potato, I call potato. But they're looking for niches where they can serve their community, and then they monetize it. So I believe the Spirit of God can give you the niche you need, especially in line with your call, in line with your gifting, in line with your several abilities, you see. And He could open up your understanding, and you could make it in such a way where you could help humanity, bless humanity, let the light of God shine, and then at the end of the month, they remunerate you accordingly. And you could build a company. Uh, You know, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard it over and over for many, many years. Uh, this, This young man... He, he, he said, God, I want to go into partnership with you. I'm going to open up a business, and I want you to be my partner. So he put the, the Lord Jesus on the title of his business. And even today, that business is very prosperous. It's called Lord and Taylor. And, and the story is that the Lord is actually the Lord Jesus. The founder said, it's going to be you and me. And, in, and you know, so, I mean, yeah, I want him to be my senior partner. I want the Spirit of God to lead me in everything I do. Hallelujah. And then I love this verse because it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power. Ephesians 1:19 through 21. According to the mighty power, His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and He seated Him at the right hand, of, uh, right hand in heavenly places. That exceeding greatness Those words right there, exceeding greatness. The Greek word, huperbalo, comes from two words that means above, power above. In other words, it's above and beyond anything or anything we could understand. So the word that that, that Paul was saying there, that there's a power that when you ask it or even think it, it'll throw it far beyond what you ever asked for. I got to explain that a little better because nobody got excited. In other words, God cannot help but show off. Whenever you ask for A, he'll give you A, B, C, D, and E. He wants to show off his power to you. He wants to lavish it upon you because you're his sons and daughters. And whenever you ask him for something, he takes it far beyond what you actually need. And he'll take it far beyond so that your needs can be met and the needs of others can be met too. He throws it far beyond your natural request. Then he says, "Above all that we could ask or even think." So if you thought it, then God is saying you're you're thinking too small because I'm I'm already a a lot farther than you. If you're requesting it, that means He already thought a lot farther than you. He already He he already He's already planning the next five or six or seven steps, and already released the power for it. What is it that God is placing in your heart in this day? Guess what? The power comes with the vision. The power comes with that burden. The anointing comes with the burden. Say to your neighbor, the anointing comes with the burden. So if if you're sensing the stirrings, that means the power is right there to join you so that you can not only do what you're thinking God's calling you to do, but he's going to take it far beyond. Hallelujah. And you need his power because whenever he launches you, he will always launch you to the desert first. He he won't launch you to glory first. It's guts and glory. You first got to go through the gutsy part. He'll always take you through the desert. And he spoke the word to you and he prophesied it to you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to raise you up. Uh, You're going to be used and you're going to bless many. And and I'm going to give you provision and and I'm going to give you wisdom. And my wisdom is going to flow through you. And you're hallelujah, hallelujah. And then the next week you're in the desert. And next week, everything goes awry. Everything goes crazy. Everything goes wrong. And that's exactly where he wants you to be. Because that is where you're going to now draw on the supernatural. Because the desert is a great place to take out the best and the worst in you. The desert is very hot by day and very cold by night. In the desert, there are monsters in the desert there's just not enough of stuff in the desert it's very easy to hallucinate yes. wow. yeah. oh, and that's where many people are right now simply hallucinating wow. but that's the very place where God will take you when he takes you out you're stronger you are ripped you, you, you're, you're diesel you're ready to go for any ministry amen yeah. You're strong because in ministry, make no mistakes about it. You're going to have to deal with devils. You're going to have to deal with crazy folk. You're going to have to deal with problems. You're going to have to deal with misunderstandings. You're going to have to stand your ground many times. Sometimes you're going to have to go at it alone. Uh, Jesus had to go at it alone sometimes. One time, one of his favorite messages, amen, was, "Um, all right, they left. Do you want to go too? That was one of his most powerful messages. (laughs) Yeah, he, he preached that. He told Peter, You want to go also? And Peter said, uh, Where am I going to go? You're the only one that has the words of eternal life. <clears throat> that, that he, I mean, Jesus was a great preacher. Very few people had the anointing like he had that he was able to have people leave from him in Mass. That man was so direct. Very, very direct. That at one point, people are eating their fish and the loaves. The next minute they leave, oh, I he offended me. I mean, I'm out of here. Don't talk to me that way. Yeah. You're just here for the fish and the loaves. You're not here for me. You're here for the miracles. Oh, he was here. And the thing is, you couldn't lie to Jesus. Some people today, they're so good at lying. They'll look at you, and I mean, you know... You, you can see it on TV or the liars in TV. Man, I'll never, one of, one of our lowest days in politics, you know? Oh, you did not have. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I mean, amazing. I mean, with a straight face. <laughs> I, I didn't even finish the sentence. You know, what, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But we're we a lying nation for crying out loud. But you can't lie to Jesus. As soon as you see his eyes, Looking at you, you just, you'll melt. And he says, yes, I'm guilty. My God, my God. We need the anointing because we're going to go through a lot of difficult times. But we need the anointing because this is a time where God's going to take us far beyond what we even thought. It's a time for breakthroughs. We need some breakthroughs. We need some miracles to happen to engage or to re-engage. Some of us got off the track. And we need a miracle to get us back on track. And I'm expecting the year 2013, as we get ready for it, to be a time of miracles. Yeah, it's gonna be a time of difficulty. Yeah, it's gonna tie, you know, we're gonna hear a lot of negative news. But wherever great sin abounds, great grace does more abound and that's what I want to hook myself onto. I want to hook myself onto not the worry. I want to hook myself onto his word. I want to hook myself onto his promises. I want to hook myself onto his faithfulness, his consistency. Amen. Because he's the one that told me that he came to give me life and life in abundance. He's the one that told me that he supplies all my need according to his riches and glory. Come on, people. He's the one that told me that in all my ways, if I acknowledge him, he will direct my paths. He's the one that told me that all the righteous does, we will prosper. Hallelujah. Now, that word prosper to me doesn't mean I get lots of money, but I'll be able to accomplish that which he called me to do. Come hello, high water, I'm going to get to the other side. I might go through some difficult times, but he's with me. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. Hallelujah. Amen. He's the one that told me that surely goodness and mercy will follow me every single day of my life. So what am I expecting today? Goodness and mercy. Hallelujah. Praise God. He's the one that told me that thanks be to God that he always leads me in triumph. He's the one that said that. So I'm going to trust that. You think I'm going to trust the paycheck? You think I'm going to trust people? You think I'm going to trust Channel 7 Eyewitness News? No, I'm going to trust His Word. I'm going to trust His character. I'm going to trust His nature. I'm going to trust who He is. I'm going to trust the fact that He adopted me into His family, and I now, as a son, have rights to that benefit. I have rights to that power. I have rights to that anointing. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Give Him some praise. Hallelujah. Amen. So as we get ready to, I mean, to, to take some ownership here, as we get ready to just take it to the next level and activate who we are in Christ, I mean, some of you are God's best kept hidden secret. secret. I mean, You're like a deep, 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 you know, secret service Christian. But as God gets ready to launch you out, and you know, <laughs> let me tell you, if you don't launch out on your own, or in other words, voluntarily... He will encourage you. Oh, yeah. And the, the original word for encourage is a good, swift kick in the blessed assurance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in, Europe, in Europe, I said that to you, I think, about two years ago, but for those of you that didn't hear it, there's a big picture of the king encouraging his troops. In the bottom it says, the king is encouraging his troops in, in, in a, a very famous museum. And what the king is doing, actually kicking them in the rump. And the king is encouraging his troops. <laughs> and sometimes that's what you feel yeah. Yeah. You, in your, in your uh, spiritual backside. Yeah. You feel the encouragement of the Lord. See, because it's not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. It's about the person that's waiting for you to arrive. You are somebody's answer. God anointed you, not so you could jump up and down in church. Amen. Some people think that... that the anointing so you know, yeah, I used to go to a church and everybody had their own way. I mean, we, we, we got into it, man. When we wanted to rejoice in the Lord, somebody did that, other people ran. I had one guy, literally, whenever the power of God would hit him, that's it. He would start to run. He'd run. He'd run all around the church. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Sometimes he'd go outside the church, come back. Come back. There was another guy, this guy saw an internet in the church. The guy, he, he ran to the front and started doing, you know, that dance that you do that's like a rap dance? Break dancing. Break dancing. He started break dancing, like right. I'm looking at him and saying, whoa, all right. I wasn't raised in church that way, you know? But I mean, hey, but you think that's what the anointing is for? No, it's to set the captive free. It's to cleanse the leper. It's to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 14. That's the assignment of the anointing. The assignment of the anointing is to reconnect people. Reconnect the prodigals with heavenly father. Amen. 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 Praise God. So, so get yourself ready because there's no time to waste. There's no time to waste. You, in the coming days, uh, we're, we're already hearing about it. We're hearing about the microchip deal. There's a young Christian lady in, uh, in Texas who's challenging the government right now because their school, I think it's a college or or a high school, they're making them. It's not an option. They're making them wear uh, a card and the card has... uh, What do you call it? RFID. RFID chip. Yeah. It's RFID. Radio frequency emitting diode thing. But, yeah, it's interesting. But now... What they're saying is they want all the students to wear it because they'll be able to pretty much know where they're at, whether they're in class. Or, and it sounds good. No. But see, it, once it works for one part of society, then they take it to another part of society. Oh. They're working right now uh, several major companies that you could go shopping take all your stuff and they even show a commercial just the other day, a commercial where a guy's coming in and you see shoplifting, putting everything here and everybody's watching him. He's putting everything here and everything, and then he just walks and then the cop is looking at him. Then the cop walks right behind him and then he goes and suddenly as he's passing by, he goes click, click and he passes by and the, and the police officer goes, uh, excuse me. Guy turns around, yeah? He goes, oh, you forgot your receipt. In other words, as soon as he walked out, it scanned him, immediately knew what was there. And that's where they want to go because it's more convenient, wow. it's quicker. Well, they already have it because f- if you have $25 purchase or less yeah. in your card, you can actually swipe or pass right by and it will me- immediately make your purchase. The government has a unified uh, ID card. The yeah, there's an ID, a nationalized ID card. So they're going that way. They're going toward... Oh, that's the nationalized card? There is. <laughs> yeah. and, that's the, and that has everything in there. Everything. everything in there. Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> Anyone want to see a picture? Anyone? <laughs> no, I won't do that. I won't do that. <laughs> it's going that way. And and it's very, very... Uh, in the 70s, we say, that's impossible. It can't happen. People will never allow it. But yet they are. It's just going that way naturally. And we know for a fact, those of us that are studying economics in any way, shape, or form, knowing, uh, we know that the dollar is, is dying. Yes. It's just a matter of time. They're going to have to let go of the dollar. So they're going to have to uh, inflate all our debt because we have uh, an aggregate amount with all of our national debt, with all of our Social Security debt, the, the, the pension debt. All the debt together is about a hundred, over $140 trillion here in the United States. No way are we going to pay that back. So what will happen is after a while, the euro will die, the, the dollar will die, and they'll come up with another, another currency. And most likely this time, they'll go global because more and more global leaders are speaking about a one-world currency. This is happening, people. So th- this is an exciting time because I'm not, I don't care about the Antichrist. I just love the fact that, that we get an opportunity to be able to rip as many people from hell Into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Listen, God did not save us for us to live in America for all eternity. There is another kingdom. We are not from this kingdom. We are now from the heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of God. We are temporary citizens here, but eternal citizens of the kingdom of God. And make no mistake about it. We don't know when, but Jesus will return for his. And he'll establish his own domain. Hallelujah. See, so I'm not worried about it I'm excited about that because I am already a part. I have dual citizenship amen so, so as I close yes I'll take the joy of the Lord I'll take the exciting times but yes also the challenges because both of them together become a dual fuel as it were and allows me to be better than I was before pain is not your enemy pain is your friend well, I don't like pain no no pain is indicating that something needs to be adjusted Corrected or fixed That's all pain is Pain highlights the place that needs to be fixed So pain is not your enemy It's your friend If you didn't have pain You'll continue hurting yourself You don't want, won't even know about it It might kill you There are several people on this earth Not too many That have a sickness And the sickness is It translates itself into no feeling So they could cut themselves They won't feel it They could, they could lose a finger finger could fall off, chop up. they won't feel it. They could bite themselves, they won't feel it. Yeah, it's devastating. And you have to watch these children because they hurt themselves, they don't even know it. Pain is our friend. Problems, issues only make us better, stronger. I got about five people saying amen. Amen. So if I keep on harping this for like for the next month, I get about ten of you to say amen. Dual fuel, praise God. And in both of them, God is with you. Amen. He's strengthening you he's preparing you not just for a fight he's preparing you to be an overcomer in the fight because I have some good news it's a fixed fight he already won the battle so when we go in we we already win uh, uh, come in as a winner I like fights like that give me all of those I like gambling like that when I know the end I don't like gambling when I'm not sure (laughs) but our heavenly father already won the battle in Christ so, anything we endure here in life, we already want it. All we need to do is just go through it. And to top it off, while we're going through it, He gives us the strength, He gives us the power, He gives us the wisdom, He gives us the relationship. Hallelujah. So, are you ready? I am too.